Hello, everyone. Welcome to Seek Go Create. This is your host, Tim Winders, coming to you as always from the passenger seat of our motor coach, our RV, my mobile office. And today I'm just outside of Rapid City in the on the edge of the Black Hills. Our guest, you're going to want to listen in today. I, I think they started their first company at 17 years old. The count that I've got, I might be corrected on this, is that they've got six startup successful multi-million dollar businesses and still counting. So we're going to have a good conversation about entrepreneurship, about business, about success, probably about a lot of challenges in in the process. So uh, make sure you stick around. I'll get to the guest in just a moment. I want to remind everyone, depending on where you're listening in to Seek Go Create, if you're on the podcast, I want to make sure that you know that we are on YouTube now. You might be on YouTube watching this, but we actually now are growing at a great pace over on YouTube. So if you haven't checked us out over on YouTube, make sure you visit Seek Go Create on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel there. Here's one thing we do that's really cool over on YouTube. We take the entire interview, so you get to see in the example of this podcast, two incredibly handsome men that you get to view while we're doing this interview and have a great conversation uh, with some other things that we add in like websites and things like that. But one of the things we're also doing is we're taking about a three to five minute clip from the podcast, from the interview, and we're including that as a clip so that you can get a small clip if you want to uh, just digest that instead of the longer interview. So make sure you go to YouTube, Seek Go Create, the YouTube channel, subscribe, and check out some of the content that we have there. Today we have Patrick Bryant as our guest. He is a growth and innovation speaker and also a serial entrepreneur who has founded six and counting multi-million dollar companies that range from, this is a wide range here, media, to rolling papers, to software, and he's got so much more in his bio. I'm going to let him get into that, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Patrick, welcome to Seat Go Create. Thanks, Tim. So good to be with you. Yeah, and I, and I did get the two incredibly handsome men speaking on a podcast that they need to look at it on YouTube too, right? Did I get that correct? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, one of us has hair uh, and the other doesn't. So uh, that, that's the only differentiating factor I see. Other than that, just uh, two white guys with beards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, and yeah, I don't know if that helps the video promotion or anything, but uh, hey, Patrick, uh, one of the things that I love to do is kind of pretend, which we are, we are kind of meeting each other for the first time, even though I've got a lot of information on you and, and our people have been communicating. But uh, I like to kind of pretend just like we meet somewhere that I like to ask the question, what people do. So as we get started here, just kind of share. If someone says, what do you do? What do you usually tell people? I'm an entrepreneur. It's a, that's the simplest definition. Uh, I, I really enjoy starting companies and I currently am the CEO of Code and Trust, which is a software development firm devoted to writing software for entrepreneurs, early stage companies. Of course, we do some large corporations that are looking for a Skunk Works team to develop a new piece of software. But but most of what I've committed my life to doing is uh, being an entrepreneur, starting companies and helping other people that, that want to do the same. Yeah. So, so here's a big question I have when I have people that use that title, entrepreneur. Actually, I've got two questions. First question is, how do you define entrepreneur? What is, I mean, that's a word that's thrown around a lot in our culture. How do you define it, Patrick? I think an entrepreneur is anybody who starts an enterprise. And to me, then there's different scales of entrepreneur. Uh, you know, there's the made entrepreneur that doesn't have to go to work tomorrow. I I get that badge. And, and then there's the, the entrepreneur that is really the most impressive to me uh, is anyone who's gotten an enterprise and an idea to a point of sustainability. I mean, to me, that is the defining marker that really says uh, you, you've created something that, that moves on past your original vision for it. And, and that, to me, is the most exciting thing that I try to do. Money is a money is a marker. Uh, but I've seen a lot of fantastic entrepreneurs that uh, were in a nonprofit and scaled it in a huge way or uh, even in faith based uh, situations. You know, we've got Greg Surratt here in Charleston. Well, I'm in D.C. today, but in my hometown of Charleston, South Carolina, Greg is a, a minister and, and created Seacoast Church and 
and uh, an ARC, an organization of churches, uh, and has just scaled uh, his ministry in a huge way. And I believe that um, entrepreneurship is the number one change agent in the world. And, and I think that that can happen uh, as fluidly as it does in enterprise, uh, you know, uh, um, companies as it as it happens in in startups or or ministry or nonprofits. Yeah, I really, I really like that you kind of factored that in, because I think in in the world we're in, a lot of people will typically equate that word entrepreneur to to a, a money piece and they probably try to attach things to it. Uh, there's really kind of two things that you brought up in that in that um, response. One was the word sustainability. I'm going to come back to it in just a moment because that isn't always attached to the words <laughs> to the word entrepreneur. <laughs> Especially when we attach the serial entrepreneur to people. There's some people that they just like starting stuff and they just keep going. I mean, I've interacted with clients that, man, they, man, why don't we just stop starting something? Let's get something going for a little while here or, or make it work, you know? Right. So there's that. We'll come back to that in just a moment because I think that's one of the most important things for uh, a business. It's like, why are we doing it? But, but you kind of brought up this broad... I don't even know if it's the the trait or the characteristic of an entrepreneur because it does go into a lot of areas. You mentioned faith and, you know, we actually, we don't shy away from talking ministry here. And we, and I've seen a lot of people, I'm going, wow, this person's, they're like startup. I mean, they've gone into an area and they started up a church or ministry or something. And, and you know, there's one area that you brought up that you're in D.C. <laughs> so I'm going to go go here. I, I don't know that we see it as much as we should in government, but wouldn't that be awesome? Sure. I totally agree. I, I am very close to some political campaigns and they are startup. You know, if you're running for the House of Representatives, you're starting a campaign at zero. You're hiring people, you're raising money. Uh, and then when you, you win, you're, you're doing the same things, hiring people with a budget and, and really creating something uh, that that hopefully is a movement and, and changing things in a positive way. I would hope. Uh, too many times, uh, I think uh, there there can be some negatives there. But but I agree. There's absolutely startups in politics. Sure. So so let's kind of still drill down with that with that word entrepreneur. I, one of the things that I find myself doing is I sometimes get bothered when we have words in our culture that are overused. I think entrepreneur might be in that category. There's some other things we can go into, but um, because of the nature of what you do and how many people you work with, uh, I think this is a valuable question. When you look out over the landscape and, and you see all that we're talking about with entrepreneurship and especially maybe in I think maybe we might think it's an American thing. I don't think it is. I'm sure you've traveled overseas. Man, there are some entrepreneurial hustlers over in some other places. But what do you like when you hear people talk about entrepreneurship and all of that? And then in the same breath, kind of tell me what you don't like, what maybe bothers you about that, especially someone like you who's got that title in your name. I, I always think it's funny when when people use that that word. It, it, it is the, I have the same feelings you have about it in the sense that it can mean so many things. And as a software entrepreneur now, most of my focus is in in that particular space. But uh, it, people do overuse it. They they choose to apply it in in many different ways. But I, I'm okay if people want to uh, use it in the way that fits for them. That that's fine. Uh, I I do tend to. I do tend to, to ask questions very quickly when someone says that they are one, uh, you know, what, what companies have you founded? How many employees do you have? Uh, what kind of impact does the product or service have throughout a particular community? Uh, because scalability is important to me. That's, that's really uh, my marker in addition to sustainability is, uh, is scalability and the, and the fact that you can take an idea and really impact more uh, people than than uh, you started out to. I mean, I, I think that's where you really 
you find some some really fun stories uh, in, with entrepreneurs. Does it does it bother you when you see some people that might call them that, and you go, "Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I'm, I'm hearing you talk. <laughs> you might need to just go get a job." <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of a lot of people that call themselves entrepreneurs do have a job, right? Yeah. Uh, that they built themselves a job. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we created an organization called the Harbor Entrepreneur Center in Charleston, South Carolina. That's a nonprofit devoted to helping entrepreneurs. And we actually had to have a lot of those conversations around that particular topic where we were saying, what is an entrepreneur and who is at the center of our tribe? Who are we trying to serve? And what we ultimately decided that the center of our tribe was a made entrepreneur, someone who had started a, an enterprise and, and grown it to a point that they no longer needed to, to work the next day. I think that is a marker uh, that changes people and changes the way that you look at entrepreneurial activity. And uh, although, uh, uh, while that's the center of the tribe, we know who we're there to help. And that's people who want to be entrepreneurs. They want to grow. They want to uh, increase their impact on the world. And that's that's our mission, to help them get to the, the center of the circle. Yeah, that's that's a great point. We've had, I think we've had two uh, episodes recently where we've interviewed people that help with exits from a business or acquisition of a business and, you know, both sides of that equation. And it's real interesting in the two separate conversations, it's almost identical to what you said, Patrick. I asked the question, what's a common characteristic that you see in a successful exit or a successful acquisition? And in both situations, the wording was a little bit different. It was something to the effect of they've done it before. <laughs> That's the, sure. That, sure. And, and what you just said was, is what you would really like is someone who has started, built, made it sustainable, scalable. But yet I know that there's a lot of people listening going, but yeah, I just want to be, how do I get started with that? And we may address that in just a moment. We may talk about some things like that. But I think to, to, to really hit home with that, what I would like to do is maybe get a little more of a feel for how Patrick got started. Because one of the things we don't shy away from here is kind of origin stories and 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 also just so you know we are okay with the good the bad and the ugly we don't we don't try to make this all sunshine and roses and you know patrick came out of the womb and he was doing business startups at the age of five he had the lemonade stand you know the grass cutting and every and, and he went public you know when he was 21 and all that but i think i read correctly that at 17 you started is that correct well, yes. So at about 17 years old, I vividly remember my father coming into my bedroom. Uh, we had started a business as a family about two years earlier. My father was an expert in the newspaper industry. He decided he wanted to start a newspaper as he was retiring from a, a long career in newspapers. And we put together some investors and we create this newspaper. And I dove in. I didn't know at the time at 15, I didn't know how much I loved that startup energy, but it was just really exciting for me. And I learned how to use the Macintosh computers. They were they were brand new at the time and, and taught myself. Was this how the 80s? Were you up. is this the 80s? Were you in the 80s? Yeah, this yes, this is the 80s. Oh. And uh, I, yeah, I, I probably wore my jams shorts to to work at the at the newspaper. But but so I learned uh, to be basically the land administrator for the for the newspaper and a, a graphic designer inside of the newspaper, I really just dove in. And, and so at 17, my dad walks in to tell me that they're filing bankruptcy. They're going to close the business. It was incredibly painful. This thing that I had been so excited about was now imploding my entire life. My parents got divorced. They filed bankruptcy. We lost our house. Uh, I ended up moving into this, small uh, condo with my dad. It was, it was just a really trying, difficult time, rock bottom for me in my life. And I remember thinking and saying to a friend that this was so painful and so difficult that I would imagine most people would take away, oh, I should just go get a job. This isn't, these are not good choices. Why did my dad and my parents take this, this risk and end up imploding everything? Instead, 
I said, this was so amazing to me. I enjoyed it so much. And I'm, I really am. I'm sad that this has failed, but I am not going to let it be the, this moment for me. I am going to start a business at 17. I'm going to start one at 22, 30, whatever it takes. I'm just going to keep failing until I learn to start businesses. And much like a person who almost drowns and then becomes an Olympic swimmer, I really wanted it to be my superpower. And, and I really did get to a place that I studied it. I, I understand the different models. I understand why we're doing what we're doing uh, today and, and think of myself as, as a master in a lot of those conversations. But at 17, I'm just a guy with some computers. I, I took everything away from that failed business. I was driving the used minivan around town. I had uh, the, the ability to use one of the computers and started a desktop publishing graphic design firm with the things I had learned at the newspaper. And I'm just hustling door to door. I'm just going asking people, can I design their logos and their menus and anything they would let me do? And that was really the first time I I started a business at, at 17. Most people would ask their parents for a little help. Mine owed me $2,500 uh, from the failed business. So I didn't have that. But uh, I did. I did really learn what it meant to go get clients and and, um, and come up with the, how much you're going to charge and sell your own time and all of those things. Uh, and it was an invaluable experience, both the negative side of going through that very painful time period, but also the things that I learned about starting my own business and, and gaining my own passion for it. So one thing that's interesting about that, this is, uh, I, when you mentioned the Macintosh, it kind of got me thinking, and I even brought up, was this the 80s? Because it reminds me of another conversation I had about, because that, that was kind of a formative decade for me. That's when I graduated high school, was in college. I started my first business when I was in college and uh, exited, didn't really sell it. It just, we kind of shut it down. And, and, and the 80s were very interesting because I think they fed a lot of the drive that I ended up having. Do you, and you can give me the time frames or anything like that. This is just maybe a really a sidebar question that I did not anticipate. Do you think that the times, the decade, what was going on in the 80s had anything to do with you saying, Scarlett O'Hare moment. By God, I'm going to make a business work because I actually think it has something to do with the makeup that I have also. What are your thoughts? For me, it was the technology of that time. I think I was in a right spot moment. I, I, I might have been able to be even in a sweeter spot moment had I uh, been a little bit older as the internet was being invented and, and worked on and we were all starting to do it. I was I was probably early 20s uh, as we were starting to use things that, uh, like uh, uh, the internet and like the, the World Wide Web uh, as it was back then. And, and so for me, being right on that early cusp was a, a, a really good moment. I, I understood computers well. I was able to learn to design a website in HTML, you know, uh, uh, early, early skills of software development. And for me, that time period was really important and, and did give me a leg up because I was able to, to leap forward on a lot of those technological areas. Yeah. You've got your hands in a lot of business things right now. I'm, I'm not finished with your background yet, but let's jump to, to current and just looking over the horizon what do you think about the opportunities now? I mean, with blockchain, we've got a lot of things in crypto. There's, uh, you know, Web3 and all these other things that are thrown around. I mean, it seems like a similar position right now for someone who says, I'm just getting started. I think you're totally right. I, th I think the technology is leaping forward at this particular moment. A lot of those pieces, especially Web3, uh, blockchain, all of those um, discussions are just going to continue to accelerate. It's as, as fragmented as I've ever seen it. I think there'll be some consolidation of a lot of those 
technologies and or media and all of these things uh the streamers for instance right now or everybody's got a streaming platform right uh so i think we'll see some consolidation in the next 15 years and if you were in this moment that you were able to use uh your skills to to help uh, in, in in that fragmented time period, then when the consolidation comes, things will be easier, uh, and and you'll be in a perfect position to to really uh, uh, win. Yeah. What's a what if someone right now? Let's say we've got a young person listening, and they had the opportunity to learn a skill. This is me asking you to kind of crystal ball a little bit with your background and all that. What would you give advice to a young person? Say, listen, if there was one skill, I would recommend you learn with what we see is coming over the next three, five, 10 years, what would that be? I love software development right now for young people. It, it is learning how to fix a car 50 years ago. Uh, it, it, you can get under the hood. You can really accelerate your career path in a huge way. The, the demand for software developers is off the charts. We're in negative unemployment in my home state of South Carolina when it comes to software engineers. So I, it, the, to me, that is the easiest place to take a huge step forward in your career right now is just to simply learn code. And by that, I, I don't even necessarily say you have to pick a particular one. You could, you, you know, maybe not COBOL, uh, but, but definitely, uh, you know, React, React Native, uh, the ability to uh, program in JavaScript, or even on the machine learning side of the house, there's some some really good tools. If you can just teach yourself the ability to understand and problem solve uh, regarding a, a particular type of code, Web3, we mentioned a ton of uh, uh, options there. So I, I think if you're scientifically based, headed off into a programming language, and if you're graphic based, headed toward UX, UI uh, kind of uh, development. To me, those are just the easiest places right now to take huge leaps forward. Yeah, that's good. And the thing I like about that is that that's necess not necessarily go borrow a bunch of money, go to college and spend four, five, six years. I mean, some of that stuff's self-taught, right? I think you mentioned it. I mean, people can kind of do that on their own, right? I, I think you can. My son is 21 years old and decided with a ability, you know, AP honors classes out of high school, uh, completely capable of going to a four-year institution. And he, he just decided, no, I'm going to go to this code boot camp and learn how to code for three months. And uh, he came out of that ready to be an employee at $50,000 a year. So I, I, that to me is a big short circuit right now for young people. Uh, they can really get into a, a career that's important in changing uh, the world in good ways and, and has a lot of headroom for them to go on and do other things, uh, but starts with a, a pretty sweet, you know, 50K a year uh, entry level position if you if you can just learn the basics all right very good all right let's bounce back to uh patrick the early years and uh, there's a couple of these businesses i just and we might could just run through these real quickly sounds like you've it, it says six and counting in your bio is that an accurate number how many how many businesses have you started and where is it at now and i am i am going to ask you to kind of do a real quick tell us a little bit about each one also because i'm just curious i'm a business junkie myself so i love hearing about that well, I, I've started eight, uh, and, and since the my graphic design business, I don't really count that one. Uh, but but I I have sold and and moved on from some of them. But but the six that that we talk about the most is of course Code and Trust, which is my my current job. The three of us started Code and Trust four years ago. And I have these fantastic business partners who have all exited software companies. And so we really focus on helping other people start software companies. And, and so that that's both a passion project as well as uh, my my day job and, and just a lot of a lot of fun. Before that, I was on 
uh, team for you, which is still going great. It's an HR software platform that uh, um, my best friend from high school actually now runs that company. Uh, he's also a, a software entrepreneur and the team, the two of us teamed up to to grow that along with my partner from Code and Trust. So we're kind of a band of brothers and have done a number of things together. But so Team Foria is still going well. And then there's Event.Gives, which does nonprofit software, uh, mostly around events. So if you think you're going to a gala for uh, the silent auction and the live auction and tables and selling tickets and all these kinds of things, the event.gives puts all of that on your phone, makes it digital, makes it real easy for the nonprofit. And that's the one that's growing the most right now. Uh, they all have their moments of, of leap forward, but during COVID, event.gives just found a very needed moment of helping people go virtual and being able to use the platform both virtually as well as in in room and and that really helped it grow over 93 percent in 21 and then another uh 98 percent in 22 so we're we're queued up to just be uh tearing the cover off the ball on that business and it's just uh a lot of fun to be involved with so uh that's event doc is and and then uh, there's, of course, Shine Rolling Papers, uh, which is a, a fantastic uh, story in itself of, of its origin. But Shine was created uh, as a 24 karat gold rolling paper and, and really uh, took off in the uh, hip hop space. So uh, that, that was a, a fun journey that started with me investing in a cigar company a friend of mine had a cigar company and was struggling so i invested and and ultimately we found a a really fun uh, pathway to profit and, and a new product so that was that was shine and then there's uh assignment desk which is in the broadcast television space and and then its sister which is go to team uh which is my original company i started we we're about to come up here in october on its 20 fifth anniversary so uh that that puts as if my haircut doesn't do enough to date me the fact that i've i've had a multi-million dollar company for 25 years uh should should, should tell the tell the story of of the wrinkles on my face but uh it, it is a a fantastic pair of companies in the broadcast space and and due to very different things but but basically the way you can think of it is if it, any major network needs to do a video shoot tomorrow anywhere in the world they call us and we're responsible for it so you might be watching a live shot tomorrow morning on abc news and you'll think oh they must have a video crew in chicago nope that's our crew you're looking through our lens and and we shoot about 6,000 shoot days in a year, uh, which for me even is a staggering number. That means 6,000 times a year, somebody is somewhere uh, shooting a piece of broadcast television uh, that we're, we're outsourcing them for the, the network. So uh, we, we like to say in that particular business that it's impossible for you to uh, have not seen our footage Everyone has seen our footage. You, you just didn't know it because you were watching one of the major networks and uh, we're, we're their vendor. Wow. Okay. Any others? Is that it? <laughs> what you, you, that wasn't enough. Thinking, you need me to keep going. Anything I else you want to start up or got a, had an idea I, or anything to come up with while we've been talking? Or <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Yeah, I, I do tend to come up with them from time to time. But, but what I've really focused on in, in this part of my career is learning to weed it down, understand why I do like something, why I don't like something. Uh, you know, as an early angel investor, uh, I, I would really kind of invest in things and get involved in things based on feel. Like, how do I feel about this? Do I like the people? Do I, do I like the idea? Do I think it's scalable? Uh, what can we do with this? Now I have a very clear lens of what I like, why I like it, uh, I can write it down, score it, uh, and tell you very quickly what makes sense to me and, and what doesn't. 
Yeah, because I, I'm sitting here looking at this, trying to find a theme to these. And it was real interesting, Patrick, before you started going down that list, I wrote something that I wanted to ask about, and that is the person or the team that's the founder versus the idea or the concept. And I was going to ask you, is there one, you know, because there's some people in, especially in investment world, and I do some, uh, you know, early stage investment myself, probably not to the extent that you do, but I will try to look at it. And what they say, you really need to invest in the team. And then some people will say, no, it's got to have a valid idea or the concept. And, and, you know, we've seen some great ideas that the team was horrible. And then we've seen some great people that they haven't succeeded. So I was sitting there trying to get a theme as you were going through that. And I said, I see, I see one common theme throughout all those companies. And it's Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, that's funny you, you would say that because uh, but my answer to the question would have been the common theme is the people. Uh -huh. uh, for sure, I, I will not take a product, or, excuse me, a project that I don't like the people. I, I learned about myself and I, I know I'm different in this regard, but I don't like to go to the movies by myself. I don't like to go to dinner by myself. Uh, I don't, I don't like hanging out with, with just me for that long. Uh, I'm a lot to take and, but I love being with other people and playing in, in the field. Right. Uh, so to me, it is important to make sure that the team is right and that there are people that I want to, to be around and, and work with and, and that I believe they have integrity and honesty and, and all the, the basic traits that, that have to be there. If those things don't match, then I'm already out. Uh, that, that's an that's a easy barrier that we, those have to work. Uh, idea is important and um, the, the business model is important and where you're going and the, the innovation and the uh, protectability of that innovation. All those things are, are very important too, but I put them after people because really good people will find innovation. Really good uh, entrepreneurs know how to scale anything. They could scale a lemonade stand, which is really freaking difficult to, to scale. So I, I think that it, it, people first, then the the idea and the concept and 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 the really the the magic sauce is when you're able to combine those two and you've got an expert in the uh, human resources land, which which my business partner Andrew Strickland was, and then you've got somebody who knows how to design the software in his business partner Prashant, and the two of them are going to go start a business together where they know what they're talking about, they know how they're going to do it, and they've created an, a business model that is going to win. Man, when you see all those things come together, then then you know you have something that you want to get excited about. Yeah, so there's definitely skills and talent there, but are there any other clues or characteristics that you look for? I mean, you kind of mentioned it's got to feel good, you got to like it and all that, but anything a little more tangible that you would look for in that person and or team? Because I, I can almost see someone listening going through two things in their thought process. Number one, it, this could be the first one too. They're probably saying, I wonder if I fit that. And then number sure. two, how do I know when I'm interacting with people? What is it that I look for? Because maybe I keep running into people that just don't, they're not cutting it. They're not moving forward. They're not, they're not growing, those kind of things. So, I mean, I'm even kind of thinking that a little bit with something I'm going through. So what are you looking for? Give us a little bit more clues, a little more tangible on what those people might have. Well, good quality entrepreneurs have the ability to see vision that other people can't see, right? And they, they have the faith in themselves and the people they've surrounded themselves to, to go and run forward on that idea, even when it doesn't exist yet in the world. So that's the first thing that I'm looking for is someone that has that confidence and that ability to, to really move forward 
with the idea? And then how connected are they to this particular idea? I think a lot of times people misjudge even me as as someone that would get involved in a project, they'll come to me with a fantastic medical device and they'll say, hey, this is unbelievable. It's gonna change the world. It's so exciting. And I'll listen to them and say, look, I, I truly believe this is exciting. I understand that this is gonna make a difference in the world. I'm not your guy. Uh, I don't, this needs FDA approval. I don't even like the FDA. I don't love the idea of walking through the FDA process. The millions that have to be spent on that uh, aren't in my, um, you know, planning of of how that works. But you know who is, is I've got a really fantastic friend who has exited three times. He totally understands medical devices. He knows how to take it through FDA. He's our guy. Let me introduce you to him. And that doesn't mean that I don't like your idea. People might get offended and go, oh, well, Patrick didn't want anything to do with it. No, that is, that's not it. You're, you're, need someone that knows how to play basketball and I'm a swimmer that is just two different different games so I think you need people that understand uh, their own expertise and are able to fit correctly into the the business that you're actually working on so I I, not only do they have to hit that basic marker of of integrity and honesty and and someone that you want to be around that that's number one but then number two is how does it fit to what we're doing right now and making sure that they're the the right person to put on the team yeah i like that you threw in there right towards the end the integrity which was probably something that should be a given because i mean i think back on my business career there's probably one or two times where I've made the mistake of somebody looks good, smells good, clean up really well, but I didn't ask some basic questions. And, and you know what, as long as everything's going great, it's all good. But, you know, for us, it was 2008 comes along and everything gets all of a sudden challenged. And then everybody finds out what they're made of, you know, in a, in a, in a time like that. So how much involvement, I mean, you went through all the companies and you, you spoke about them like often parents speak about children, which means they're, they're still involved. They're still active, but then I also know that they could be grown and out doing their own thing. So if you were to, and you don't have to go through each one of them, but um, you know, I know there, I know the business you mentioned earlier, we'll talk about as we finish up here, the one that you're active in, but do you still have any interaction day to day with any of those businesses? Absolutely. I, I describe startups for me as movie scripts. At the end of the day, I'm an executive producer. You know, people make the joke that they don't know what I do uh, a lot of times. And so I, I, I joke back that, that people will say, well, we're not sure what Patrick's going to do to add value on this particular business. But yet we know that every time he's in a business, it wins. So we, we want him on the court. Uh, I, I am someone that tries to get in front of things that solves problems before my business partner even knows that there there was a problem and and really make things run smoothly so in that executive producer role the way that i think of startups is as movie scripts where you've got movies that are in pre-production we're talking about something we're seeing how it is going to work we're doing some testing maybe putting it in front of uh, clients and, and getting some some feedback. On the other hand, we've got uh, businesses that are in production. And for me, I feel like I have to be on set during that two to three year process that it takes for me to grow something from zero to uh, normally about 20 employees. That's kind of my marker, zero to 20 employees. And I've got to be focused on that business. I've got to be paying attention every day and integrally involved. And then finally, there's post-production. We we have grown it to a certain size. We've got a, a CEO that's running it, sometimes a business partner, sometimes not. Either way, the company is now sustainable. It's got its own life ahead of it. And at that point, I'm, I'm less involved, more on P&L, balance sheet, where are we at quarterly? How can I help? What are the things I could be driving? Uh, and, and a friend of mine, 
who uh, happens to have a, a larger portfolio of companies than I'm involved in. One time I said, how do you decide where to spend your time? You know, that's a struggle for me sometimes. Uh, and he said, well, I don't know if it's good or bad, but we we manage by exception. And I said, well, what is what does that mean? And he said, well, if if one of our businesses is doing exceptionally bad, we get in and we help it out because it's got we want to make sure they all they all live. And if one of our businesses is doing exceptionally well, we get in and we help it out because that's where you really find your greatest revenue is in those winners. And uh, and that is the case that I find in my life is if we're doing uh, we just went through a large acquisition on our broadcast side of the house. And I was very involved in the funding, very involved in crafting the deal and, and getting it across the, the board. And so in that case, I was spending a lot of time on the broadcast company. And, and, and in other years, I've spent very little time on that company. So it really just depends on, on where that, that company is in the cycle. And, and what I can bring to the table is that is there a task at hand that, that I can really help move forward with my skills. One thing that was interesting as I was listening to you also, Patrick, is that it, it seems as if in the world we're in today that the the exit is kind of like the where everybody's headed. And, and I think that creates, I'm, I don't have a problem with that. That's not a bad thing, but I think it creates this... Um, faults I don't I don't even know how to word it but it's like I think people are working towards something maybe they shouldn't be and I'm I'm okay with people thinking about maybe how they're going to exit I've got a few clients right now that are considering how they may transition and you know have a succession plan in place for their business but uh, especially and I've interviewed some folks that you know have been in the Silicon Valley world where this is a really strong culture of start something up get it going, get people to invest, and then move towards getting out and getting a big paycheck. I didn't pick up on that at all from the way you were talking about your companies. Can you tell me why or give me a contrast and you know what's going on there? Well, I, I'll tell you, I think of my own companies the same way I do uh, stock market companies, which I do have a, a portfolio of equities. And I'm a value investor. At the end of the day, I want to buy things that are, are cheap on the market right now being a great time to pick up some some good, valuable companies. And then I want to hold them for a very long time, past the point of any of these cycles and, and back to a place that their revenues has got them getting valuations that are too high. And then that's when I want to get out, right? Uh, I joke that any of my businesses are always for sale as long as you're willing to pay me double what I think they're worth. Uh, and and if, you, if you're willing to write that check, I'm out. Uh, so uh, I, I think that that and, and I'm joking, but honestly, there are times that that is true, right? There's a corporation. They know that when they buy my business, it's going to be worth four times what they pay for it the minute they buy it because they know how they're going to go execute on a plan that I can't see or I don't have the resources to execute the way that that large corporation would. So there's just nothing wrong with that. I think a, a, an exit and, and allowing people to move forward with with a startup that you've created is a great great thing uh, on the other hand i think there's absolutely every reason to hold on to a business that's growing and continue to help it and its employees win and and continue to to make revenue off of it uh as long as you you've got it so i i think both of those things are are healthy and good i i will say this though because i i I hear what you're saying in the tone, which is if your ultimate life goal in the morning is to wake up and make more money, uh, I just think you're missing the mark. You're missing kind of the fun. Uh, you're, you're you're missing sort of the point. Uh, I, I think that investors tend to, to do that to us. I, I, some of our companies do have investors. I'm not, I'm not remotely saying investors are bad. Um, it, but I, I will say that once your company's ultimate focus is to create shareholder value over innovating new products and helping customers, uh, then then it, it can get a little sideways and, and be a wrong 
a wrong goal from my my perspective. Yeah, that and that boy, you're leading directly into the the few items I wanted to discuss as we begin wrapping up here and talk about sustainability and scalability. But I just I, I just had this thought. I've got longtime friends and clients that they just went through an exit, and that exact thing happened with their company. They had not planned to exit, but someone came in and offered them a multiple of what they thought it was. And we had conversations about it. And I said, you know, if they can close and they're willing to do it, let's do it. And it and it's closed. It was a blessing for everyone. And now we're just talking about what's next. And I, did, I didn't see it. I'm not that much of a visionary and all that. We were just kind of going along, creating and doing the business. So that's, uh, that's good. I, I love the tone that you have, Patrick, because it bothers me when people are so in the mindset, and I could go back to stories of companies I was working with in like 1999. They had raised so much money and they didn't do anything. There was nothing there. A partner and I had gone in to do some consulting with them and we walked out scratching our heads going, I don't know what they do other than raise money. I mean, they were just raising money. Right. To this was in the internet. You, you know, this is the pre.com. So I, I, I love that mindset. And I think that heart and that, that, that really comes through. And I can see how what you're leading now really can attract some quality people. The thing that I would love to do, and we'll, we'll kind of talk about how people might can connect with you with that in just a moment. But there's two words you brought up that I would love for you to talk a little bit more about in whatever order you want to, because I do know we've got a lot of small business owners. We've got people that are wanting to start things that listen in, people that have run businesses for a period of time. A lot of people like that listen in. And so I would love for you to talk a little bit more. I'm just going to kind of give you the mic to talk about sustainability and scalability. Those two things are words that are thrown around often, and I see so many what we'll call entrepreneurs quit too soon. In other words, they get bored or they're ready to start something else and they move on. I've even done it myself before, and it's maybe because I'm an entrepreneur, this is not working, I'm moving on. And so talk about that. And again, just whatever, pretend you're on a stage or talking, and I'm just going to give you a few minutes to talk about that, do some teaching or whatever you want to do about sustainability and or scalability? Well, we've created a form on our website to, to marker a lot of what I'm about to say. So anybody listening can look at codeandtrust.com slash growth score. And at that growth score form, we have literally mapped out each of these three areas that are, to me, the cornerstone that I use to invest and and work on products inside of our businesses. And that is innovation, scalability, and the ability to execute. We already talked about ability to execute earlier. I feel like that's an important marker that you you really got to hit. But then scalability, as you mentioned, uh, is is to me the the next marker. Uh, Once you've got the right people and they're working on the right things, then you, you move to scalability where you say, all right, how do we get this to everyone around the world repeatedly. And, and the, the, the markers there for scalability are if you're scalable, then you're being sold everywhere and they're buying it over and over again, right? And, and tires are a good example. They, they're, gonna, they're gonna go bad, you're gonna need more tires and they're needed all around the entire world. So uh, tires are a good example. On the other hand, there's a chiropractic firm in the, the uh, local market that you're living in and they might have one office and they're selling time of the people in that office and they wanna get to three or four or five offices and man, that is just a huge struggle. There's very little scalability there. Uh, and, and if you're thinking about chiropractic in general, a lot of times you just solve the person's problem, their back is healed, and now they're not coming back to you. So you've limited your transaction capability. Uh, not that I think chiropractors are a bad model, uh, it's just not scalable. And, and so what I would tend to, to tell a chiropractor is, how can we build into this process something that you can be offering your services, your consulting, your products, uh, whatever it is that you're going to develop as being a skilled 
chiropractor into something that you could offer the world over repeatedly. Let's look at the ideas that you have for, for products and services and move in that direction. So scalability to me is is the second one. Then and then of course the third stool is innovation. And and innovation is what drives us into things that have IP. They've got uh, patents and uh, uh, you know, some sort of protectability, uh, patented process, trademark, something that keeps other people from doing what you're doing. And if you really have those three, to me, you've got the, the team that can execute, you've got uh, the, the idea and the product and the service that is beginning to be scalable, even if it's not already sold around the world, we know how we could. And then finally, we, we put in that a little innovation that prevents other people from doing the exact same thing and protecting our competitive edge. Now we've got something that will be sustainable very quickly. We have, we, now we've created all of the, the pieces that allow uh, that business to take off to a place that we're going to have 20, 50, 100 employees and anywhere along that road that feels right to you as the entrepreneur you can stay on or get off that's that's your choice i i happen to like to get off at 20 employees but i've had friends and and, and entrepreneurs that i deeply admire that have gone all the way to taking their company public and chairman of the board and so i think it just depends on the entrepreneur how big they want to go along on the scale sometimes that scale is going to work in a way that you jump off at 20 employees and uh, and you're going to you, you keep running it, hire a CEO and and let it run. And the other times somebody's going to come along and go, hey, that is scalable and impressive and we need it. And we already have the distribution channel. So watch what we're going to do with your product and we're going to sell it in places you can't even imagine yet. Uh, and that's why we're going to pay you what feels like too much money for it because we're we're going to go tear the cover off the ball. So that to me is what exit means in a healthy way. And uh, and and it really sums up how I feel about scalability and, and sustainability. But but everyone feel free to check out that free tool. Uh, but really, everything I just talked about is mapped out there on on that website. Good. Codeandtrust.com slash growth score. Yeah. And we'll make sure that those links are down in the notes and uh, with all the resources that we have so so with your with the current organization and there's two things you mentioned so this might be uh, two variations of this question you mentioned a a foundation or a nonprofit that you have that you're working with entrepreneurs and then you mentioned code and trust which is um, uh, is obviously a for-profit I'm guessing so could, could you maybe give a profile of and this is kind of leading us into our landing here. This is kind of my first approach that I'm I'm making. But can you can you tell me the type person that might still be might might be listening in and going, man, I'd love to connect. And and what would you be looking for for someone to reach out to you and say, hey, listen, let's connect, let's try to get together. And I, and I know you're probably the type guy that would probably talk to just about anyone that would want to talk to. But who's the type person you're really looking to work with? Well, at Code and Trust, we we help software companies and and hardware companies that are looking for software and any sort of entrepreneurial company that is looking for the software. So so it's really got to have the the word software somewhere in there for Code and Trust. But I'm always eager to talk to people about starting any kind of business and how to scale and innovate and and help them see that path forward. It's just something that that I have chosen as as my passion. Uh, the nonprofit that you mentioned, the Harbor Entrepreneur Center, based out of Charleston, South Carolina, we've got an accelerator. You can apply to be in that accelerator. We just started the 11th class, so we've helped over 100 businesses at this point. I, I say we've helped 100 businesses, but I'll, I'll reframe that to say we've helped over 100 entrepreneurs because we really want to teach people the tools that they're going to use to start business number two, three, four, and five uh, after they they run through the one that, that they're working on, uh, successful or not. We just want to would teach people these 
these particular principles and help them move that forward. So if you, you apply to the accelerator, you get free space and mentorship and curriculum and all these things, uh, the opportunity to take investment. And uh, it really is a, a terrific program and, and totally nonprofit. The, the mentors give of their time and, and treasure uh, really just to help the companies. We, we say that in, inside the accelerator, you, you get to have all those, all that love and attention for free for 14 weeks or, or excuse me, six months, the six month program. And at the end of six months and a day, then those investors are gonna invest in you and, and, uh, and really expect to, to turn a profit. So if that's something that, that is interesting to people, they should look at the Harbor Entrepreneur Center online. But, but yeah, that's a, that's a nonprofit that, that's really out there trying to teach these principles and help entrepreneurs grow and scale and, and become sustainable. Sure. Hey, Patrick, I saw when I went to your website that you do a lot of speaking. You go talk to people and go in front of audiences and uh, this, I think this might be my last question before my final wrap up question. So we're, we're circling again and coming in for the landing. What's the message that above all else you love to convey to an audience when you speak? What's the thing that you love for people to walk away from when they hear you talk? I really want them to just go do, uh, you know, one of my, one of my friends has a line that we need less sales training and more sales doing. And, and that's how I feel about entrepreneurship, where it, it is really an activity that is a contact sport. You've got to come up with an idea. You've got to go have a conversation with a client. You've got to see if that fits their needs. And if it doesn't, you need to iterate. And if it does, you need to iterate. Uh, you just have to learn from every single client and customer that you touch to make a better product that is scalable, that is innovative, that is offering them something of value uh, beyond what they paid for. And, and that to me is the key to entrepreneurship is, is really just going and starting wherever you're at. I try to convince people, hey, work on these ideas that are scalable and innovative and that you've got a team that you can go build. But the reality is we're not all at that place. Right. Elon Musk can only work on getting us to Mars because he did Tesla, because he did PayPal, because he started two companies before that. He only he worked his way up to the big world changing problem. And uh, what I would say to any entrepreneur that's listening is you've got to start where you're at. What do your skills allow you to sell and do today that teaches you just like me as a 17 year old learning to run a graphic design company selling my own time that is a vastly different business than uh code and trust which has multiple uh clients around the united states and a whole big team of people uh and a lot of innovative products spinning out of it that is a completely different game than where i started but i could not be where i am without that start so i i just try to get people to to get going and and start where they can start and and find success there and move their way to the next level yeah, thank you for that, Patrick. I think that's encouraging. And I, I just, I appreciate the heart that you have for uh, the entrepreneur too, because it is a tough gig. It's, it, it's tough out there. I mean, they're out and scrambling. So where can people connect with you? Where do, I mean, I know you gave a link earlier. Is that where you want me to go? Is there another place to send people to find you? That link is fabulous, Code and Trust. Uh, they can send an email at codeandtrust.com as well. And the other great way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. Uh, of course, I'm Patrick Bryant in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, I'm the only one of one only one of those uh, that I, I'm aware of. There, there's uh, we have a Patrick Bryant Facebook group. There are other of us around the United States, but. Uh, in Charleston, I, as far as I know, there's one, uh, and I can guarantee you there's there's one Patrick Bryant that's bald in Charleston, South Carolina. So as you do your search, 
uh, you shouldn't have any problem at all. I enjoyed it. I was listening, I think, to uh, a video or two you, you did. I said, oh, I'm from Georgia, He's from somewhere in the south. I didn't know at first. We won't need a translator. There could be people listening that might need a translator, but maybe we'll have captions and all underneath. The, go to YouTube and watch the captions for it, so if you need <laughs> translation there. So, uh, <laughs> hey, Patrick, we are Seek, Go, Create, and uh, those three words. I'm going to give you one of those words that resonates with you more than the other two is my final question. Which one? Seek, go, or create, and why? I said it earlier, go. It's go. Go do, go build, go find uh, the your passion uh, project that allows you to, to start generating revenue. Uh, just pick the thing. And, and, and with that, I'll put a little asterisk that as you're going, feel free to look me up and, and bring me along. I'm always open to the conversation, as you said, Tim. <laughs> Excellent. Man, I enjoyed this conversation. Thank you, Patrick. We have gotten so much information as far as the entrepreneur and business, and I knew that we would. And I just, I think one of the things that blew me away was the heart that Patrick has for business people. And I so appreciate that. If this has been a blessing to you, and I believe that it has, like I said at the beginning, share this with someone. The best way that people get exposed to new podcasts is when someone they know recommends it. So if you've got a business person in your life or an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur wannabe, take a screenshot of this from your podcast player, text it to a friend or something right now, and uh, just share it with them. Tell them they will enjoy this conversation. And as I mentioned at the beginning, I want to remind everyone, we're on YouTube, so we've got a great place that you can share. You can get captions if you need to need to kind of read through what uh, Patrick and I had to say, if you need to follow along there. YouTube's a great spot there. Go subscribe there. We have new episodes every Monday. Until next time, continue being all that you were created to be.